It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Talk Law Radio, I'm Todd Marquardt, your host. Marquardt Law Firm is sponsoring our show today, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. New businesses and old businesses, which might have issues with LLCs, contracts, corporations, FLPs. And we can represent those who suffer from lack of planning, including guardianships, probate, and our attorneys can help you with litigation and trial matters. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs our attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law, but because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only, and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information contained herein has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing and failing to do your will. Please help Tiffany Juarez and me give good information to the listeners about mental health. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. Today, we're going to be talking with Tiffany Juarez with Battling Minds about mental health and specifically about how mental health uh, affects first responders. Tiffany is a licensed clinical social worker. She's been uh, working for 12 years uh, with experience in social services. Uh, She's worked for the state hospital. She's worked for the city. And we're just going to ask her a little bit more about uh, mental health and the different professions that help with that issue. And we will uh, talk about how specifically first responders are affected how their mental health uh, goes through some challenges. And uh, then we'll talk about legacy. So first, uh, Tiffany, why don't you tell us where are you from? Um, I'm from Northwest Indiana. I grew up in um, Griffith, Indiana and the Lake County area. And I've been in Texas probably for a decade now in San Antonio area and recently moved to Canyon Lake. Oh, great. You went to Our Lady of the Lake University? 
Yes, I um, got my graduate degree from Our Lady of Lake University in social work, my master's in social work there. And my undergrad I got from Grace College and Seminary School, which is in Winona Lake, Indiana, a very small place. Well, Indiana is a, a long ways from here. I don't think anybody <laughs> would really know. Have you met anybody in San Antonio that knows where you're from? Um, some people that are maybe from the Lake County or the region area that we call it. It's um, not too far from Chicago. So oftentimes I just tell people I'm from the Chicago area because we're about an hour and a half or hour from Chicago. A lot of people commute into Chicago to work if oh, you're really? in northwest Indiana. Well, I've been to Indiana a few times to uh, go to events at Valparaiso University, and we always flew into Chicago. Yes, my um, brother um, graduated from Valparaiso University, and I attended um, Valparaiso for about two years before I transferred to Grace College. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's exciting. My my son, when he was in junior high, they had national tournament there, and so he played basketball a um, couple of times, maybe three times. Yeah. Okay. What got you interested to pursuing a career uh, focusing on mental health? I, In undergrad, I first started out wanting to be a teacher, um, but then I changed my mind after I spent about a year and a half in Guatemala. Um, I went and worked at um, a place called Casa Berna Bay, it's an orphanage, and um, there I was able to kind of work with kids um, and specifically with babies as I lived in a baby house and took care of babies. Um, but I also was able to like go to the court and meet judges there and lawyers. And um, then I came back and really wanted to focus on social work and social services. And then in my internships, I was able to do an internship at the San Antonio State Hospital. I had a really good mentor and supervisor there, and I just kind of just loved it, loved mental health and kept with it and just keep learning about it and trying to improve. So tell us about the process of uh, becoming qualified to help people with these issues. Uh, you got your undergraduate degree, and then you got your master's degree. Is there some type of licensing exam? Yes. So um, I got my master's from Our Lady of Lake. And then once I obtained my master's, I had to also take a test so that I can become licensed as a licensed MSW, which is a licensed master of social work. Um, And then in order to continue so that I can provide outpatient therapy um, and assessments um, to individuals, I had to go on and get my supervision, which is two years of supervision. Um, to get my clinical license. So now I'm a licensed clinical social worker and I can provide outpatient therapy to individuals and do assessments and provide diagnosis. Okay. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of training. Yes, it is very thorough. Um, It's a lot of work and um, it's a really great learning process, I think, um, instead of just going right out and getting licensed. Um, I do like that we have supervision for two years and we have to, you know, talk to our supervisors, learn more, and get better at what we do so that we can be clinical. And then um, we also have to do CEUs to continue to learn and grow. And then I provide supervision to individuals who are working towards their clinical license. And I really enjoy that because I learn a lot from the people that I supervise. And, um, you know, they learn a lot from me too, but I also learn a lot yeah, from them. Yeah, I've heard that, that uh, you really get to be 
good in your field when you teach it. Mm-hmm. Yes. I feel like I teach estate planning to my clients every day, but uh, I also supervise other attorneys in the office, so that helps me. When you're not uh, working um, and and volunteering in the community, what do you do for fun? Um, well, I have two children, so my daughter is 10 and my son is 5, so um, when I'm not volunteering or working, I am with them a lot, and so we do biking. My daughter's really into baking right now, so um, she's making hot chocolate bombs and started her own little business making hot chocolate bombs. I saw that on Facebook. And yeah. I, I wanted one, but I didn't know how to get one. <laughs> yeah, so she has like a sign-up genius where you can sign up. And so we've been doing that. That's been taking a lot of time making hot chocolate bombs. And um, then we um, are reading Harry Potter right now. So we spend a lot of time reading Harry Potter. And the other thing that we're working on and that I'm enjoying when I'm not with my children too is plants. I've been like trying to do a lot of gardening and just different things to um, have a garden and have more plants. I'm just interested in it right now. And I run and do other activities. I like to be outside. Pickleball? And pickleball, yes. <laughs> we just had a pickleball tournament for Battling Minds and um, it was honestly my first time playing. Um, I have a lot of friends that like it. And so I set up the tournament and it was a lot of fun and I want to get better and have more tournaments so that um, we can win because this time my team did not <laughs> win. Yeah. Uh, as you know, I the law firm had a team and we also did not win. <laughs> it was uh, all of our first times also. Um, but it was a lot of fun because the each match is only 11 minutes long. And so you don't really have time to get tired. And because we were playing doubles, we didn't have to run all over the court. And so for somebody who sits in a chair for a living like me, it really wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. My team beat two teams, but only because those teams didn't show. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Tell us more about your company, Battling Minds. What's the, the philosophy that got you started with your own company? So I started Battling Minds to work with first responders and providing counseling and therapy to first responders and their family members um, so that I could help them um, with stressors, with battling mental illness, and finding a new way to get them to see um, their mental health in a, in a different way. Um, the importance of the mental health and the tactical piece of taking care of your mental health that's related to their job, to their life. And I had an opportunity to work with first responders directly in their substation and um, when I was working for the city. And I really learned a lot from them, but I also was able to see um, the stressors on their job and then also... Um, how it's hard day in, day out to see people like a revolving door every day and nothing changing and not understanding sometimes the social service system that um, isn't always working. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to see the same people doing the same thing repeatedly and not getting help and then be positive and then also deal with um, trauma that you see, you know, accidents and domestic violence and all these other things. And so I created my business so that I could help them 
um, learn about their own mental health so that on a larger scale that once they learn about their mental health and it can help them on their job, um, then they could also teach other people um, because they're out there, you know, helping people in traumatic situations. Sometimes um, they're the first person on the scene and being able to manage um, their mental health and then also help other people know that it's okay to go get help. That's awesome. Do, do you also help people that aren't first responders? I help um, first responders and their family members. Battling Minds' focus is to work with first responders and their family members. I do help other people who are not first responders in other roles that I play in the community. So I also work for Endeavors, the Cohen Clinic. Um, we provide short-term therapy for veterans. So I work with veterans and their family members. And then I also work with people experiencing homelessness, and I volunteer to go out and work with individuals who have severe mental illness. And I work on a very small number of cases because I, I'm very busy, but um, I work on a very small number of cases with individuals who have severe mental illness and trying to navigate the system and help them um, see where they want to go. Um, it's not necessarily about just getting them off the street, but it's making connection and um, helping them feel more positive about their life and who they are and where they want to be. Okay, let's talk more about that after our break. If you recently moved to Texas from out of state, your current will, trust, and power of attorney may need to be reviewed and updated. Wills and powers of attorney are state-specific, so it might be a good idea to meet with a Texas attorney. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trust, and powers of attorney. They'll develop a strategy to tax-efficiently protect and preserve your assets, reduce family conflict, and maximize government benefits. Call today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquart, here with Tiffany with Battling Minds, talking about mental health. Uh, before our break, uh, she had mentioned uh, helping people navigate the system, the social services system. So I want to go back to that and uh, find out more about the system. Can you describe the system to our listeners? Um, well, I mean, there's a wide variety of systems. Um, if we look at the mental health system, it, it is um, often hard for people to understand the mental health system if you don't belong to it or you don't understand mental health and where to go to get help, how long it takes to get help, who's the best um, to help you. Um, oftentimes I've met with people who have been to counseling before and they wanted to talk about their trauma or they had PTSD and the counseling that they received before wasn't evidence-based therapy. Um, and so they didn't get the help that they needed to manage their PTSD or um, to be able to um, figure out ways to deal with their trauma. And so oftentimes if people don't understand that there is evidence-based therapy out there and they do have um, severe mental illness or depression or PTSD, there are evidence-based therapies that will help you um, navigate that. And um, there is counseling, and counseling is good, and um, talk therapy is good. 
Um, but evidence-based therapy has been proven to work for PTSD, for depression, for anxiety. And those um, types of modalities are very important to use. And um, I specifically um, use those modalities and I try to help people improve. I'm glad you were talking about evidence-based therapy because I ran into a court case uh, called America West Airlines versus Tope. It's a 1996 case in, in which the Court of Appeals in El Paso uh, was reviewing a decision, and there was uh, the whole question was whether the uh, the clinical social worker could be uh, giving testimony as an expert, and apparently she didn't have anything close to evidence-based therapy. Uh, everything that that she explained to the court, her process of of giving the uh, the party involved therapy, um, had no no process really. She she just would would try whatever she felt was best. And so she was disqualified as an expert. She couldn't, the, they, they wouldn't give her the, uh, the weight. Her testimony wouldn't be given the weight as an expert. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that it's good to use evidence-based techniques. Okay. So you, in addition to counseling, you, uh, suggest evidence-based therapy and, uh, for the first responders. Uh, you also mentioned uh, something that you do to help the veterans. Um, will you say that again? Because I, I wasn't familiar with the organization. Um, I also work for Endeavors, um, the Cohen Clinic, and they specifically work with veterans and their family members and provide um, short-term therapy. The Cohen Clinic does, and Endeavors has a long-term therapy as well for veterans. Where is that? Um, Endeavors is... Uh, they have multiple locations. Um, right now, most of the Endeavor staff is working telehealth um, due to COVID. Um, so most of our, all of our therapy at the Cohen Clinic right now is telehealth. Okay. And because of COVID, there's the government agencies in Texas that have given uh, permission for healthcare providers to use telehealth. There's all kinds of regulations of, about that because... Uh, it wasn't very widely used before the pandemic. Um, but I, I remember something about you. Uh, sorry, I have to spring this on you. Um, you said something about the, the counseling and therapy that you do. Sometimes you'll go on a walk with somebody. I yeah. thought that was really neat. So Battling Minds officer offers walk and talk therapy. Um, as well, telehealth. Um, I do in in person therapy, and also if someone wanted to do jog therapy, um, I would also jog with them because I often find that you know, if we're walking and talking or jogging um, or doing something like that, um, people might feel more comfortable than sitting in my sitting in an office or sitting in front of a computer, um, and it also gets them out um, doing an activity that also can help their mental health. That's awesome. Walk and talk therapy. Um, did you make that up, or is this like some process that you learned about? 
Um, I, I did not make it up. Um, I know that currently there, there was actually an article recently that there was a therapist that was specifically doing walk and talk therapy in, in Chicago area. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know off the top of my head who made up walk and talk therapy, but I thought it was a good, um, place for first responders to start because oftentimes they, um, don't want to go to therapy, um, because it's, not seen as something um, positive in their field um, because it, they might think that that they're weak or that they can't handle the job. And so I wanted something that gives them the ability to feel comfortable and feel like they can come and just talk and we can work out and talk about, you know, what's going on with their mental health. What are some issues that are unique to first responders? Well, I think first responders, and this this would be part of the system that they belong to, are often um, not told what the job um, would bring to their mental health. So 30% of first responders struggle with PTSD, depression. Um, they also aren't told when they take the job that one of the highest risks that you have is suicide. And so um, first responders, whether it's law enforcement, fire, EMS, Um, They have a high suicide rate. And so they're not, that's not talked about often when they're starting that, you know, you're taking this job and we're teaching you what to do in crisis. We're teaching you how to help people, but we're not teaching you how to help yourself and how to help yourself outside of the job. Um, So, so they often learn, you know, different tactical things to keep them safe and keep others safe when they're in crisis situations, when they're out in the field. But then what do you do after that? What do you do when you're at home and you remember the scene that you're at or you remember a person um, or something traumatic that you saw? How do you manage that? How do you not bring it home to your family, to your children? Um, and, and, you know, if you're struggling sleeping, then that's going to affect your everyday as well. Um, so I think that there needs to be more awareness um, brought to that to first responders. So um, because the the suicide rate is alarming for first responders and it's um, not something that, you know, we want for anybody to feel like they have no options and that there's no hope. And so I want to give people hope and give them the ability to come and talk and learn about mindfulness and learn about um their mental health, whether it's anxiety, depression, PTSD, maybe they're just adjusting. They got out of divorce or they have some struggles, some changes in their life and they're adjusting and they need some assistance in adjusting to those changes and, you know, figuring out how to adjust while you're in a very high stress job. Yeah. So do they have um, a mental health worker, social workers, therapist? that works at like the police station or the fire station, do they employ somebody full time or do they always have to find somebody in private practice like you? I don't know about all law enforcement agencies. I know that um, the Bear County Sheriff's have a psychologist. SAPD also has psychologist fire as well have psychologist. Um, but they, they service the whole department, and that's a lot of people mm-hmm. um, to provide services to. And also sometimes people are scared to go talk internally to people who are working within. They worry that they might 
not get the promotion or they might be flagged as somebody who can't handle things. Yes. Um, so I, I wanted to provide a collaborative space where they could come and it wasn't connected with their work. Yeah. So it's private. It's confidential. Nobody yes. has to know. Yes. How about uh, their insurance package? Is, is this like a, do, do you think they have health benefits that pay for this kind of thing? Most um, first responders or their family members do have insurance. Um, I am currently paneling with um, a couple different insurances. Um, so at this time, I'm not accepting those insurances. But once I am paneled, then I, I will be accepting their insurance. Insurance is one of the most difficult things for providers to <laughs> navigate, right? Yes. I also have, um, you know, I... I respect what, what I do in my profession. I respect first responders' professions. Um, but I also know that people have hard times. And so, you know, if they can't pay my fee, I'm more than willing to work with them to figure out how we can still provide them services. Because at the end of the day, I want individuals to take care of their mental health. And if they are taking care of their mental health, then it helps them, helps their family, and helps the community. So. Um, you know, I am more than willing to talk to them, work through um, whatever we need to figure out so that they can get assistance. You mentioned mindfulness. Uh, we're going to take a break again, uh, but when we come back, I want to learn about mindfulness because I don't know what that means. Okay. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm your host, Todd Marquardt, here with Tiffany. She's with Battling Minds. Uh, We're talking about mental health. And uh, before the break, she mentioned something called mindfulness. And I'm not familiar with that. So uh, let's get into it. So mindfulness is a type of meditation where you focus on your feelings, what you're sensing in the moment, and you're very aware of it, and you are able to sense and feel those things in order to help you relax your mind and your body. Um, so oftentimes in therapy, I talk to people about you know how they feel in when they're angry, how do they feel when they're happy, what's going on with their bodies. Like, do you um, when you get angry, do you all of a sudden feel really hot? Does your face get red? Do you clench your jaw? Like, what's happening with you physically? To know the sign that, hey, I'm angry or I'm upset or I'm stressed. Um, we all have different body signals that tell us something's happening. And then also being aware of your emotions and how you respond to, to situations that you're in, whether it's, you know, stressful situations or when you're happy and what's happening with your body. And so mindfulness is a tool that you can use, um, to help you be more aware of what's happening with your body, with your mind your emotions, and then it can help you um, reduce stress and also make you more aware of your behaviors and responses by being um, mindful of of what's happening with you. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, it's a skill and it's something that you have to practice when you're not in a stressful situation, when you're just at home and you need um, to just do some mindfulness so that you are skilled at it. Just like um, first responders practice 
a lot of their tactical things um, repeatedly so they know what to do in a situation. It's the same thing, mindfulness, you need to practice it on a daily basis or frequently so that when you do need it, you're able to use it to help you. I was uh, talking to an attorney friend of mine uh, about this interview coming up, and I think you said uh, the proceeds of the pickleball tournament were going to help fund a mindfulness conference, and this attorney told me, I do that every day, and I said, really, I had no idea what it was, and you're doing this every day, so was that Right? Did I get that right about you using proceeds from that tournament for a conference of some sort? Yes. So I want to use those funds to have a mindfulness conference um, for first responders and their family members. Um, I don't have a date for that conference yet, but um, I'm going to use those funds to have that that conference. Great. Okay. Another thing that I came across when I was uh, preparing for her interview was that uh, some first responders, like doctors and nurses and other uh, professional healthcare workers, are having mental health issues because of the the stress that they're undergoing because of the pandemic and the hospitals being full. Ha- have you run into this issue in, in your industry with helping? healthcare workers because of their their stress levels uh, because of the pandemic? I haven't, um, but I would be more than willing to work with them because I want to work with people who are um, first responders who are helping in emergency responses, and our nurses and doctors are doing that right now, um, helping uh, manage COVID and to also deal with their own life stressors and the changes that are happening and worrying about their families and also working a lot of hours and seeing things that uh, most of us um, wouldn't want to see or be part of. So you can help people by uh, in-office, walk and talk, and telehealth. Um, What are some of the challenges that you've found with telehealth? I think for me personally, I think telehealth, um, I, I definitely have to come to the session uh, with more energy. And I have to make sure that the person knows that I'm listening and that I'm there, Um, but I have to bring more energy to tell her so that they can feel or um, sense that, you know, I hear what they're saying. Because I I think it's it's difficult to tell her sometimes because I can only see their face. I don't see, you know, if they're fidgeting their hands or if they're, um, I, I just don't, I don't see that kind of stuff. And so, and I think it lacks connection sometimes. Um, but it's, it's been working. Um, it's just a little bit more difficult. Um, I think for the connection piece for people. Mm -hmm. Use what you have, uh, with what you got and try and get the best out of it. Yes. I think uh, all professionals are, are facing those same challenges. I I like people better when they're in person. <laughs> um, but the, the challenge with that is if we meet in person, then we have to wear a mask. Yes. And if we meet uh, over video conference, then I can see faces. 
So it's uh, there's some advantages and disadvantages with uh, each medium. I wanted to go back to another court case that I found. Um, this one was about a uh, a state police officer who um, found a young child uh, who had been in a car accident and was deceased. And uh, he had experienced car accidents many times before that. He had seen uh, other types of uh, tragedy before that as well. Um, but for some reason, uh, seeing this particular child on this particular day um, caused him to suffer the most. And and so I wondered if, in your experience, uh, that was common, you know, for uh, an officer or a first responder type position to 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 undergo the same stress up until a point when they just can't do it anymore. Is that common? I think, um, you know, I, d I don't know that specific first responder or their situation or how many times they had um, been in those situations, but I think oftentimes um, first responders or individuals who are working in crisis and emergency situations, um, they often see things and they often feel like they can be numb to those things. And so they avoid them. They try not to think about them. And then they also don't look at how it affects their beliefs about themselves, about the world, and others. And so um, then there might be another situation that comes around and it really affects them. And then it compounds all the other things that they've been avoiding or trying to numb. And then oftentimes they struggle and they have a hard time and... Um, maybe their behaviors change or something changes in their life where where they're not doing as well as they were before um, because they avoided it. They avoided the trauma. They avoided talking about it. They avoided figuring out ways to um, de-stress, um, to do mindfulness, and to take care of themselves because they're out there taking care of other people. And um, like I said, a lot, of, a lot of times I think they want, to just kind of be numb because they, they see a lot of things and um, they can't. Like they, they do need to talk about it and they need to um, find ways to manage manage the stress of the things that they see on a daily basis because they are human. And um, they think that's super important. Everybody's probably different, but it could build up if if they're not addressing it. Yes, everybody is very different. Um, but it can build up if they are not addressing it, and it can cause them to have um, PTSD, depression, anxiety, um, all of those things. So it really should just be part of um, work habits. If if you're a first responder and you need strength to do your job, they probably work out at night and on the weekends, right? And so maybe mental health is the same where you have to exercise your mindfulness. <laughs> yes, and, and understanding how um, all these things impact your mental health and how it impacts your beliefs um, and in how it impacts your behaviors. Um, so I think it's really important that they make it a daily practice 
all the other things that they do to stay on their job and do their job well, um, mental health should be part of it and should be part of their tactical training to improve um, what they do and to also keep themselves healthy. Yeah, that sounds good. I, I hope that uh, the mindfulness conference uh, reaches them and helps them to improve in this way. Okay, so that, that case that I was talking about um, where the first responder um, finally just had to quit his job, um, that's not a Texas case, but it, it was very similar to uh, what we're talking about. Um, it led led this this person to suffer from alcoholism and and depression. Uh, one thing just built on on another, and and he seemed to get worse and worse. And so the case was about workman's comp, uh, workman's compensation, uh, whether his uh, inability to do that job. Uh, he should receive compensation for as a as a long term disability. Uh, the result of the case is not uh, the focus of today's show. I just thought that it was, you know, maybe a situation where other first line workers had uh, run into. Okay, so we we've been talking about mental health and uh, first responders and mindfulness. Um, one thing that attorneys have started to do uh, with the help of the legislators in Austin is uh, estate planning attorneys have started talking about this with our clients. And most of the time, my clients, they, they don't want to talk about this. <laughs> Even though everything's confidential, they, they just say, oh, I, I don't have any problems in this area. Let's move on to who gets my stuff after I die. And um, But there is um, a way for people to take control of their health care and their mental health health care um, by way of legally enforceable uh, legal documents. And in Texas, it's found in Chapter 137, of the Civil Practice and Remedies Code. It's called a Declaration for Mental Health Treatment. And in this document, you can designate somebody to make mental health decisions for me if I'm not able to make them. So if I'm incapacitated um, and lack the ability to understand the nature and consequence of proposed mental health treatments, including benefits, risks, and alternatives, and uh, I lack the ability to make my mental health treatment decisions because of that impairment, then that's when uh, an agent can do that on my behalf. But I also could make decisions about the types of mental health treatment that I do want and the mental health treatment that I don't want. Are you familiar with this? Yes, I was actually talking to a client about it yesterday. Oh, good. Yeah. And so if somebody's worried um, that maybe they don't want shock therapy ever, then you write it down on this uh, mental health declaration form. Or 
or types of medications that didn't work for them or had ad- adverse side effects. Okay. Or that they felt like um, changed something about their behaviors or um, they just feel like it didn't work. And so oftentimes I, with individuals that I've worked with that have severe mental illness, when they are doing well, they know the medications that they feel like didn't work or help them. And um, I often talk to them about doing um, this so that if they're ever hospitalized and they're not able to make decisions or they don't remember these medications, that it's there. So that the doctors at the hospital know what medications they've taken in the past, what's worked, what hasn't worked, and then also knowing um, maybe some things about them, like triggers and things that bother them or things that are helpful to them if they are in a state where they're... um, maybe not aware of what's happening, but maybe a little bit that they think might help them when they're in that type of set. Yeah, those are great suggestions. Okay, let's take a break. If you recently moved to Texas from out of state, your current will, trust, and power of attorney may need to be reviewed and updated. Wills and powers of attorney are state-specific, so it might be a good idea to meet with a Texas attorney. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trust, and powers of attorney. They'll develop a strategy to tax-efficiently protect and preserve your assets, reduce family conflict, and maximize government benefits. Call today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm your host, Todd Marquardt, talking to Tiffany with Battling Minds, and we've been discussing mental health of first responders and other. We've been talking about uh, mindfulness, and we've been talking about uh, staying in shape with your mental health. And uh, now we're going to talk about legacy. Uh, so, Tiffany, uh, what do you think of when you hear word legacy? What do you think your legacy would be? Um, I think the legacy that I would like to have is of someone who met people where they were at, emotionally, spiritually, um, with their mental health, and that you know that people saw me as someone who was caring, um, dedicated to service, and passionate about what I do. Okay, so that's uh, that would be a great impact on the community. Um, how about something that you received or maybe you learned from a family or friend that has passed? Uh, anything that you can remember there? So um, my grandpa um, was a World War II veteran, and he recently um, passed away. Um, in, I'm sorry. In October of 2020. He was 95 years old. He had a a great life, but, um, my grandpa was also a person of service and he served his community. He served veterans and he never backed down. Um, when he thought that someone needed help, he kept going and figuring out ways to help that person. And that's something that I think I learned from my grandpa. And I also have, um, a picture. It's just me and my grandpa um, that I believe I will pass down to my children. Um, but I also think while my grandpa wasn't one to 
uh, talk about mental health, I think he was very mindful of his body and mind and his thoughts, um, which is why I think he lived so long. Um, because he would always say, oh, I recognize this um, happening in my body, so I sat down and I did this so that I could not be stressed. I don't think mm-hmm. he knew that he was doing mindfulness. But um, I, I do think that my grandpa lived a really long time because he was very mindful of what was happening with his body and his mind and his emotions. And so I think um, that's something that I will also pass on to my kids um, and that a growth mindset that they continue to um, learn, grow, fall forward, and do what makes them happy. That's awesome. Uh, w- one thing that I've learned um, from my dad, he's still alive, uh, but my brother and I always uh, joked that uh, the inheritance that we're going to get from him is all of his books and tapes on self-improvement. <laughs> he's a big fan of uh, Jim Rohn and Steve Covey and uh, Wayne Dwyer and, and other self-help uh, gurus. So we're always talking about um, what what those guys would say. And uh, Dad always said, uh, uh, the, the learning, the education, uh, that's better than anything that I could give you. So... Uh, our inheritance is going to be a bunch of books and tapes. That's awesome. <laughs> and we we still learning from him and how how to manage uh, business and family. Uh, my granddad also uh, talked about family. He said that um, the the most important things to him were uh, faith in God and his family. Everything else came secondary. So uh, that's a legacy that that I'm going to learn, and I hope that my children uh, learn from that also. Uh, One time somebody asked my son when he was just a little kid about me, and he said, uh, tell me about your dad. And I was sitting right there, and, and Thomas says, well, dad's a serious man. And it just hit me like in the face because... I never considered myself that way, but that's how I was to him. And so I, I learned a lot that day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. You did me. great. I've been getting text messages from all, all kinds of fans who um, are passionate about this subject, and, and they said that you've done great. Well, thank you. So that's thank you for having me. Immediate feedback now that we have cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you've been listening to Talk Law Radio with uh, Todd Marquart, and uh, we've been talking about mindfulness and mental health, especially for first responders. Been talking about legacy, and and we did talk a, a little bit about the uh, Declaration for Mental Health. That's a way for you to make your wishes known uh, that'll be legally enforceable. And like Tiffany said, it's it's great for doctors and mental health providers to get some background and information on you as a patient about what works, what medications might work, what triggers you might have, and get you back on your feet. And that's just one legal document that you probably need to have. Everybody over the age of 18 should have 
a durable power of attorney, a medical power of attorney, a directive to physicians, um, a last will, of course, and maybe even a health insurance portability and accountability act authorization that gives uh, physicians and other healthcare professionals permission to talk to your family about how you're doing and release certain information about your health condition. That's the, the federal law that makes your health information so private. So doing these documents will help make sure that there's uh, peace and no conflict, no chaos uh, if something should happen like uh, disability, injury, sudden catastrophic illness or death. Uh, we want to make sure our affairs are in order so that uh, when we leave this earth and go to heaven that our family and friends will be taken care of and um, then they can go on and take care of their families. Uh, we also like to leave a legacy uh, for the community, uh, something that the community would remember us by. Uh, Tiffany talked about her legacy of meeting people where they are and helping them through things that they're going through. Uh, I hope that my legacy is is that uh, Todd was the attorney on the radio that helped a lot of people with their business and estate planning and uh, got them started or got them organized, uh, helped them leave a legacy of their own. So that's it for our show. Um, we'll be back each and every week with some aspect of law. If you want to listen to one of our past episodes, you can go to uh, 930amtheanswer.com and stream live, or you can go to iTunes. Um, just search for Talk Law Radio and look for my photo. Or you can go to my website, talklawradio.com. We have all of our recorded episodes there. And just search for the subject that you're interested in. If you have ideas about what I should be talking about on the radio that would help you or your family, uh, email me at host at TalkLawRadio. That's H-O-S as in Sam, T as in Timothy, at TalkLawRadio.com. Drop me a line, and I will appreciate your feedback. So until next week, stay tuned. If you recently moved to Texas from out of state, your current will, trust, and power of attorney may need to be reviewed and updated. Wills and powers of attorney are state-specific, so it might be a good idea to meet with a Texas attorney. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trust, and powers of attorney. They'll develop a strategy to tax-efficiently protect and preserve your assets, reduce family conflict, and maximize government benefits. Call today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm.